Welcome to Gardening Talk, back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp as per usual. Scott, great to see you. And great to see you as well. Looking fighting fit today? I, I am, aren't I? Well, yeah, that's it. That's all. <laughs> what do you got for us today, Scott? Well, today I thought we'd talk about uh, rocket because I've been enjoying that in my salads lately. Yep. And uh, because uh, everything's losing its leaves, it's time to get out there and choose your fruit trees. We might talk about dwarf fruit trees for the garden today. Right. Small plants. Small plants, yes. Excellent. Baby um, plants. I'm looking forward to rocket as well. Oh, it's a good one. I love rocket. It's very peppery. It is. It is. And there's got some other qualities about it we'll get into later on. Is it a herb? Well, it's I a guess. Salad leaf, sort of, isn't well, it? it's a salad leaf, isn't it? I mean, you can buy it at the supermarkets, but yep. you know what happens when you buy it from the supermarkets. It goes bad pretty quick. No, I wasn't going to say. No, well, it probably does, but it's, it doesn't quite have that uh, peppery. Peppery taste, yeah, to it. that real beautiful peppery taste. Same as tomatoes as well. I think. I think if, you know uh, where they're grown now, mostly in under, uh, you know, um, glass houses and things. Yeah. They haven't got the sun, you know, beating down on them, so they don't ripen as nicely. Um, you know, I think that's probably going to be a lot of people's experience about fruit in the modern yeah. age. We can get it all year round, but it doesn't quite have the taste to it that it used to have. When it was out in the sun, now it's in underground bunkers. Yeah, <laughs> with uh, yeah, gas and stuff being poured in there and lights. So, yeah, not so good. But I thought I'd talk about rocket because I have been enjoying that in, in my salads recently. Very, very easy to grow for people. Yep. Uh, we call it rocket here in Australia. Apparently, the Americans call it aragula. Right. Yes, that's an unusual name, isn't it? I think I prefer aragula. Yeah, it's a bit odd. But, oh, yeah, the old rocket, and it does grow quickly as well. I think that's probably another good reason to call it rocket because you stick some in and uh, within two or three weeks... Uh, you know, you're ready to harvest it and eat away. Right. Is yeah. it all year round? Yeah, it'll grow all year round here in Newcastle, not a problem. Uh, look, just a nice uh, uh, sunny position. Probably uh, once you get out of, you know, keep in the middle of summer, you want it out of the sun after probably uh, 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yep. Uh, then it doesn't get all dry and bitter on you. The other thing with it, and I always say it about, you know, herbs and uh, salad veg- uh, leaf vegetables like rocket, is to actually pick some, even if you're not going to use it, so it doesn't get hard and, and sort of leathery and, yep. and bitter. Uh, it keeps it nice and fresh. That's always the nicest tasting one. Now, apparently, you can also eat the flowers on Rocket as well. It's quite tasty. Okay. Yeah. I've never had that before. Because sometimes it will go to seed. So, uh, And that's the other reason to prune it you know, regularly as well, to stop it going to seed. But if you do want to eat the flowers, you can certainly do that. Um, look, they uh, it's uh, actually quite rich in, in uh, vitamin C and potassium, so a very good thing to have. Uh, you can actually eat the little seed pods as well. It's a whole plant's edible. Right. The only thing you probably wouldn't tuck into is, is the root system. Give it a crack, though. Why you, not? Well, you probably could. Give it a wash down. Uh, look, it's been uh, around uh, since uh, Roman times. Uh, now, this is the interesting part about it. Apparently, rocket, and this isn't the reason I've been eating it lately, uh, has an aphrodisiac quality. Right. Yes. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Apparently, it uh, revived the drowsy uh, Venus, which means in Roman times that you know sexual desire yeah. was awake. And I can so, get the wordplay there. Yeah, okay, you've, you've worked that one out. We don't have to go into any more yep. depth about that. Uh, so, look, it's also been used as well uh, in Italian time and in Italy. Uh, they actually make a, an alcohol. Um, a digestive alcohol, I guess like right. limoncello yep. a bit. Uh, so, yeah, look, a, a very, very versatile plant and has some extra uh, qualities. Extra qualities to it as well. Yeah, I've got that sort of sound in my voice at the moment, don't I? Giving you fighting fit. But yes, it does. Look, as I said, I haven't been using it lately for that. Uh, that's what, not why I'm eating it. Yep. I've been eating it with the, a bit of pecorinette cheese and some lemon on the top. Oh, Absolutely nice. fantastic. You can make nice pesto out of it as well. Yes, you can do that too, yeah. A, a really versatile and easy-to-grow plant to uh, have in your garden. And we've got Dennis from Belmont North on the line. And he's got a question about Gotti Berry. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, gentlemen. Hello, Dennis. Um, How can we help you, mate? Mate, go 
goji berry. Ah, the old goji berry, yes. Perfectly smell the other one. When is it time to trim them? It. Uh, yes, yeah, so look. Like it's got very straggly looking. Yeah, so um, t- time to do it now in that case. Yep. yep. How much do I take off? Uh, look, I'd probably take about a third of the plant off, again, according to how big the plant is. But uh, generally, you want to get some new growth on there. That's where the new berries are going to come from on the goji. So about a third of the plant if you can. Okay. And the ends of them, any of the straggly thin pieces, they cut them off too, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, just just give the plant a nice little tidy up. Uh, look, I guess the only thing, just make sure you're going back to where there's a bud so that you don't get any dieback. That's always an important thing. So uh, yep. what, I, what I'll do is if I'm pruning, and this is, you know, in general as well, uh, yep. just to give a, you know, general cutback with the shears or whatever and then actually go back with the secateurs and just tidy it up to make sure that there's a bud, um, you know, close by to where you've pruned. You don't want to have any uh, dieback coming back through the plant. Certainly not. Um, and also, what about spraying it? Should, can I do it? Um, yeah. With a... Yes, what did you want to spray for, mate? Oh, f- fungi. I've got a mandarin tree. Mm-hmm. Um, huge mandarins, but they're getting a, a white powder. Oh, so, I'd, yeah. so it's fungus, I suppose. Yeah, so they'll have some sort of yeah, downy mildew on them. Uh, you need to yeah. go and get a product called Mancazeb Plus um, from your yeah. garden centre. Uh, it, it's a powdery um, product as well, but you mix it up with water and then you spray it all over the plant. Uh, and you can use it as a preventative as well if you want to. Uh, the other thing you can do is mix it up in the watering can and drench it into the soil underneath the tree too to try and stop those fungal spores bouncing up into the plant. Oh, so they stay in the ground, do they? Yeah, that's the where fungi. the fungal spores are. Look, they can be windborne as well, obviously, but uh, generally they're going to be in the area of the uh, of the tree, and uh, when the wind blows, it blows them up, you know, into the plant. So uh, I'd also be drenching the soil in underneath. Okay. That in, um, comes to this. I had a second question. You passed yeah. on it. Was the citrus, um, all the things that I've read on the sides of the um, plastic things or tins or whatever they are, yes. um, they all, or most of them, say that you can't put stuff on them in late autumn to winter, like garden oil or pest oil, one of those. Um, yeah, so you know some, anything about that? Some products, uh, you, they don't want you to use it on it because it's an edible plant, and that's often when uh, the plant's going to actually have its fruit on it. Uh, yeah. So they're trying to get you to avoid using pro- you know, chemical products at that time of year. Uh, otherwise, you know, they might be absorbed, and depending on what um, you know what product you're using, it be absorbed into the uh, sap stream of the plant and therefore into the fruit. But things like pest oil, I, I wouldn't yeah. be concerned about that because it really is a natural product. Uh, we always recommend using eco oil. Uh, it's certainly yeah, I've got nat- that too. Yeah, it's certainly a natural product. So uh, look, using it around the time of fruiting, I, I can't really see why that's a problem. But as always, um, use it according to the directions. Mandarin tree and hacked it back. Yes. Um, so I can put the pest oil on it now. Yeah, you certainly can. Yes. Yep. Okay. okay. And I've got a tangelo. Um, it's covered in fruit. Could, would that be safe to put oil? No, look, you can certainly... Yeah, the oil's not going to actually affect the fruit. The, the yep. main thing with pest oil is it keeps scale insects under control, thrips and things under control, uh, and citrus leaf miner. But we've passed through the citrus yep. leaf miner period now. That's usually in February and March. 
so look, that's that's your main use for pest oil. But otherwise, you can just use it as a preventative year round if you want to. Okay. And, oh, well, I've got. Um, no, what are they called? Fruit flies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you still um, got fruit fly, have you, mate? Well, I think it come from your place. No, not from my place. <laughs> <laughs> Last week that you were sitting on the veranda and there was one in front of oh, you. Oh, just that one, yeah. He I was, think it come out this way. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, was, so, he was an anomaly. He was just a little rogue flying around my place. I, I don't know where he came from, but um, <laughs> and I don't know that he'd make it all the way to Belmont North after what I did to him either. <laughs> oh, oh, good, good. They don't escape. Right, very much, gentlemen. Okay, you have a nice afternoon, Dennis. Same, bye. Thanks, bye-bye. Kath from Adamstown, and she wants to plant some trees along a narrow driveway. Hey, Kath, how can we help you? Um, I'm good. Scott, how are you? Yeah, and very well. My question is, actually, I'll probably confuse the lady on the other end of the phone. I have a narrow strip up the side of my driveway. Yes. And it's going to be, it is the western side. What can I plant that's not going to get in the way of the car? Yes. Um, but still might just look nice, like something tallish, but, you know. I was thinking camellia, but I thought I'd run it by you and see what you thought. Yeah, look, camellias are excellent for uh, narrow driveways. I I had a, a driveway when I was living uh, at the junction, and I think we kept those camellias at about 80 centimetres. Oh, I'm just trying to do the old hold the finger thing out here. It always gets Greek. What do you, how big do you reckon <laughs> that is, mate? That looks 30 centimetres. That's 30, yes. a good ruler. Yep, 30 to 40 centimetres. I, I think I kept them. And they were yeah. up to the eaves of the house. So I just went along with the hedger every now and again and just shaved it down down there and it certainly was very very narrow um, around about uh, February or March I wouldn't touch them and then we'd get a, like a mass of flowers in this May June period on them so they were really really attractive uh, they're not you know they're actually quite quick growing if you choose to sanquas and you get the flowers and they're a very very tough plant yeah, exactly. And what about a, um, magnolia? Just sort of went through my head as well. Yeah, magnolia, little gem, might be a way to go. Uh, but I would say that they're going to spread out considerably more than that. You'd at least want, uh, you know, like a oh, a meter, um, you know, width to uh, have a magnolia, oh, okay. little gem, and hedge it. Um, and they just are yeah, more yeah, of an okay. open plant. They don't go. They do hedge very well, but you just need them in a little bit more space. Uh, look, the other plant you could put in are lily pillies. Uh, you can keep them uh, very, very close uh, cropped and they will get up tall for you as well. But you can keep them nice and close cropped. And uh, you can, and again, a tough plant. You can hack at them as much as you need to and they'll always come back for you. Okay. All right. That gives me one flowering and one not flowering yes. option. Yeah. Very right. nice. Okay. okay. All right. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Thanks. Have a nice afternoon. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks, Kath. We've got Steve now from Barnsley. We just got a question about his rose. Steve, how can we help, mate? Good day, mate. Um, you and your partner um, are famous for these roses that I I look after for friends of mine at Westie. Oh um, yes, okay. So I think that's my remember? my mum looks. My mum knows about those um, um, roses out there. And uh, yeah, best in town. Yes. Now I went up. Uh, a few weeks ago, just a, a bit of a, a tidy up, and one of the standard roses has, from the, you know, it goes up the stem, yeah. and then it's sitting there, the actual crown, yes. has shot a very, very thick leader, and the top of it, it has flowered. Um, I'm thinking, well, this thing's going to end up eight foot tall, 
should I cut that off? So wh- where's that leader come from? Does that come from below the graft or the bud where it's no, spread no, no, out? No, no, it up, is. It is actually from the, the head. yeah. Okay, it's from the proper rose then, because I was worried it might have been from the briar rose, no, you know, no, from the no, stem. No. Okay, and you certainly know about them because they they're really spiky. They come on quickly, and you get this weird oh, sort yeah. of single flower on there. So it's always important to get rid of those. Yeah. Uh, look, I guess it's up to you as, as regards the shape. If it has just shot up, you know, and it's sort of towering over the rest of the plant, yes, certainly prune it back. You can do that at the moment. There's no problem with that. No, right, uh, mate. But with a standard rose, it's always just about keeping that nice shape and keeping, uh, mm. you know, like a bowl almost so that it's still a little bit open in the middle. Yeah. So that there's airflow and you don't get, uh, you know, fungal disease and mildew uh, taking over the plant. Yes. I, um, I suggested to them... Um, uh, these roses look this good from advice from uh, Scott Sharp and Co. Okay, well that, that's that's great. Little, thank, thank you very much. Put a little sign up. <laughs> <laughs> what what a nice way to give me a pat on the head. That's I like it. <laughs> no, thanks very much, mate. Okay, appreciate it. Thanks for that, Steve. See ya. Okay, good luck, mate. And we've got Keely on the line from Ellie Barner, and she's trying to get rid of weeds in a lawn. Not a good place to have them, Keely. How can we help you? Yeah, I've got this. I've never seen it before. It's a ground-covering weed. Um, it's a little white daisy. The flower has three petals up and two petals down, and the leaf sort of looks a little bit like a like a grape leaf, like it's got little pointy, jaggedy edges. Um, and it has just taken over our backyard, and we've weird and fed, and just can't seem to get, get rid of it. If anything, weeding and feeding it just promoted it and and now it's you know it's thriving and I just don't know what it is I've researched it I've like sent photos off to weed control places no one can identify what it actually is oh okay that's no good um look uh, what you've probably done with the weed and feed is do the the feeding part and not the weeding part unfortunately so you've promoted it on What our great problem is, uh, you know, just doing in domestic uh, gardening situations is we have only got, I guess, a couple of tools in the toolbox to use as far as chemicals go. And one of those is uh, bindi, you know, that we use normally Mm -hmm. for for bindies Mm -hmm. and other um, broadleaf weeds. That's what we had used, yeah. Oh, no, well, I've used that. And um, but this was just the you know like the zero weed and feed that you yeah. pump through with the water. Yeah. yeah. So that that's probably always a dangerous one to use. If you don't kill it, you're actually um, sort of helping it along, pumping <laughs> it up with steroids. So so the only other tools, like I said, was we've got bindi, which is the one that you mix up and and spray yeah. on. And there's also another product called Clean Lawn uh, that you can use. Uh, but that's more okay. for, that's more for broad leaf weeds. Uh, it'd be interesting. Are you able to email me a picture of that? Uh, you know those weeds, so we can have a squeeze at it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and uh, look in a moment, uh, my uh, trusty assistant will uh, give us our uh... the email address. Yes, which is gardening at twinuirfm dot com. Uh, okay, he's, he's right onto that one. All over it. <laughs> Uh, look, there, there are other products. Uh, there's paspalum killers, but uh, you know they're pretty nasty sort of uh, you know chemicals to start using on your lawn, and it can knock them around. Have you got a buffalo lawn or a cooch or kaiku? Uh, it's just a buffalo, yeah. Okay, so it's one of the softest lawns as well to use mm. sprays on. So you have to be really careful about that. Uh, but if you could send us uh, a picture, I'll try and identify it, and uh, I'll give a recommendation for you. Awesome. Not a problem. I'll send that through this afternoon. Okay. But unfortunately, yeah, we only have a couple of tools in the toolbox. Basically, we've got a spanner and a screwdriver (laughs) uh, and not even a hammer, really, unfortunately. And that's about all, you know, all we can use uh, on domestic lawns. 
Not a problem. Well, thank you very much for your help. Okay, thanks, Keely. Bye-bye. Bye. You just generally describe my toolbox then. Oh, yeah, that's why most people... Have you got a Phillips head and a flathead or just... No, it's just a Phillips. Just a Phillips. Just a Phillips. There may be a little flathead. Okay. And a, and a spanner. Yeah, yeah, that's all you really need, isn't it? I do have a hammer, though, so that's... Okay. I've got four things in my toolbox. You can hang a picture then, all's well. <laughs> hang a picture and fix a door. I'll have to put labels on them so I can identify what they are. <laughs> uh, we've got Val now from Rutherford, and she wants to know which is the best spray to use on hibiscus. Val, what's happening to your hibiscus? Uh, I've, got, I've got three uh, deciduous hibiscus. Uh, they're covered in buds, but they're, the buds are like brown paper, and when I squash them, they've got grubs in them. Oh, okay, that's no good. So it must have some little bud weevil that's, um, you know, moths coming along and laying, and then they burrow into the into the bud like that, and then they do all the damage. Okay. Uh, look, for that, uh, unfortunately, you do need to use a systemic spray uh, like Confidor uh, to try and keep that under control. There's not really much else you can use to um, once you know the plant. The pardon me, the uh, the little weevil's actually gone inside, and you can't contact it with a spray. The other thing you can do is uh, use pyrethrum as a general preventative uh, to try and keep the uh, the moth uh, from laying its eggs. Uh, but at the moment, yes, you'd have to use some Confidor and spray that on. Always do it okay. uh, later on in the evening when the you know the bees aren't around. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, that, I th- yeah, later on in the evening is the best time to do it. Early in the morning is not so good because they'll always come out at that time uh, and, and try and keep it under control that way. Okay, thanks a lot, Scott. Okay. Thank you. Thanks Bye. for that, pal. Cheers. And we've got Beverly from Raymond Terrace, and she's got a question about the navel orange tree. Hey, Beverly, what's going on with your orange tree? Um, well, it's a beautiful navel orange tree, but it's laden with oranges, but they keep falling off mm-hmm. and get all this mouldy stuff on them. Yeah, so it sounds like they have got a fungal disease on there. Uh, often that can start um, from when the flower is blooming uh, and they get like a blossom end rot. So you do need to start spraying with a fungicide preventatively once you start seeing the flowers out on the plant. Uh, as far as the uh, you know the, the fruit that's on the tree, you can spray that now and see if that has some effect. But most importantly, you have to uh, clean up all that uh, fruit that's, that's dropping on the ground and make sure that's being uh, disposed of properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the other thing you need to do, uh, like we were, we were talking uh, to a gentleman earlier on, uh, is about uh, actually mixing up some of that fungicide and watering and drenching it into the soil underneath the plant as well to make sure there's no fungal uh, spores in the soil that are bouncing up into the plant and spreading that way. That's laden with oranges. Yeah, and that, that's okay. You can still spray now. There's no problem with doing that. It won't actually harm the fruit in any way. It's only going to be helpful to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, what did you say it was? I had to get. That's all right. The, yeah, there's a, a fungicide called Mancozeb Plus out there. It starts with M, that word, Mancozeb. And if you go to your local garden centre and talk to them about it, they'll also be able to help you out and uh, sell some of that to you, no doubt, and give you some further information uh, as to how to use it. It comes in a powder. Uh, you mix it up in water and then you can spray it all over the plant. And you probably do that again in a couple of weeks' time. But most importantly, uh, next year, when you start seeing uh, the flowers you know, forming on the tree, that's a good time to go out and spray preventatively. Oh, good. Thank, thank you very, very much. That's not a problem at all, Beverly. You have a lovely afternoon. Yes, you too, love. Okay, Bye. thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Beverly. It's Gardening Talkback on 2 and you are FM. We've got Graham now from CM. And he's got a red shoulder leaf beetle yes, issue. Yes, they, they do. They're like a little army. 
Right, a little the, army. A little army that comes along and they, they eat lots of stuff. Graeme, how are you going, mate? What are they eating of yours? Uh, good. They normally get into the natives. Yes. Really, like, um, they come in hundreds of thousands. And um, overnight they can just really destroy. And that, they get into the roses and they eat the roses from inside of the flower straight out and they mm-hmm. just destroy, destroy the leaves and that overnight. And then they come in hundreds of thousands. Mm. Yeah, they do. Uh, look, unfortunately, the only thing you can use is malathon on them. It's an insecticide, and you have to contact on them and, uh, to get rid of them that way. Uh, so, I mean, it can be bad because you can, you know, go asleep happily, um, you know, at night, go in and have your, your, your tea and uh, come out the next morning, and they've come in overnight and done the damage, and you haven't had the chance to try and get rid of them. Um, so, unfortunately, yeah, malathon is the only thing you can use to, to spray them, but you have to see them um, and contact them with that spray. Um, so you just have to be vigilant, mate. Yeah, we used a couple of sprays. I think we used carbaryl, I think, on one of them, and um, it did do something for them. And that, but as you said, they come back, and then they just yeah. um, just go. Just got to keep an eye on them because when you hit the tree, you see more fly out of the tree, and then they land on anything else that's around there. Yeah, they will look. And car- carbaryl works as well. It's a pretty uh, sort of heavy chemical to be using these days. Uh, but if you have got some, you know, feel free to use it and use it according to the directions. But certainly, yeah, it will get rid of the uh, the shoulder leaf beetle. Are they, are they in most areas or just certain areas? Uh, look, I've certainly seen them all, all through Newcastle. Uh, I'm not sure how far their range spreads, but uh, look, yes, if they're up at CM as well, then, you know, they're not too far, you know, too concerned about travelling then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, I, I would think in any temperate climate, you know, up and down the New South Wales coast, they, they're going to be a problem. All right, well, I appreciate your time. Thank no, you. The great thing is they only come around about once a year and then they seem to disappear again. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay then. Yeah. No worries. Okay. All right. Good on you, Graham. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye bye. So do all this damage, and that's only one to hold me. Yeah. Yeah, and they just take off again. Yeah, and they do. They just a swarm of them comes in. I mean, yeah, Graham's probably not. Uh, he's probably hiding his disappointment there because you do. You come out the next morning, and, and the plants have been destroyed. Uh, we got into lily pillies as well. Uh, yeah, a, a damaging little beast, but um, it can be controlled, um, and fortunately, only once a year. Right, so they just sort of, they come in and they go. Yeah, and they'll only go into specific plants as well. Your chilli plant is probably going to be fairly safe. Oh, excellent. Yeah, that, that one chilli plant. I've got two. Oh, you've got two now? Yeah. I did have three. They had babies, did they? Oh, no, not, obviously not. The third one sort of died. Okay. It's a bit sad. You have to water them, you know. I do water them. Right. And? At least twice a week. And they've got sun on them? Yep. Okay. It was just one of those things, will it? Just decide to die. I think it just, yeah, it just died. Oh. It had its time. Okay, it happens. And I kept on trying to water it, fertilise it, but pruned it back. Yep. Just didn't happen. Yep. Once it's a stick, there's no turning back on that. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty much a yeah, stick. Okay. There's nothing else to it. <laughs> Read it the last rites. <laughs> it's Guarding Talk back on to when you are FM. Now, Scott, what else, you mentioned rockets at the top of the hour. Yes. What else did you have planned for us today? Uh, yes, I was going to talk about some uh, little trees as well um, for your garden because uh, it's time now to get out there and uh, choose, uh, you know, like baby uh, like little fruit trees that are available at the moment in the garden centres. Uh, Fleming's Nurseries, they're sort of this big uh, growing nursery uh, down in Mombolk, down in Victoria. They specialise in uh, these sort of plants. And uh, they do um, a whole lot of, uh, the ballerina range is, is the one that I'm thinking of most specifically here. Right. And they do some fantastic uh, plants in that. They will do for you apples. Yep. If you want to, uh, you can also get uh, peaches and pears. And the great thing about the ballerina and the Trixie range that they do is that you can actually plant them uh, in uh, a pot. 
So if you've only got a courtyard, uh, you can have them in a pot uh, and they'll do very well. Look, I guess uh, apples, you know, they're not going to do especially well here in Newcastle, but we do have people who say they can grow them. Cherries as well you can get in the Trixie range. you can also get uh, nectarines uh, and other, you know, sort of uh, peaches as well. And they do only stay quite small, uh, about a metre or so high. And uh, again, in a pot, and you will get a few fruit off that. And it's a really just a nice little plant to have in the garden and easy to look after. Uh, apples, yeah, Newcastle, maybe the chill doesn't get here enough, but uh, you can always give it a try. All right, excellent. Yeah. Well, Scott, we've got a couple more calls to go. Excellent. And we've got Mark from Lambton. He's trying to move a one-year-old rose. Mark, how can we help you, mate? Hi, how are you going, Scott? Yeah, pretty well. Uh, um, yeah, I've put a, a few roses in a garden bed last year, and now that they've sort of established, one of them just seems to be growing over the other one. And I was just wondering, you know, I have got room where I can move one sideways a couple of feet. Yes. Just wondering when's the best time of year, and do I do it after I prune them, or...? Uh, look, yeah, that, that would be the best time when the plant's completely dormant. Uh, look, that's not to say you can't do it now. It's, it's getting fairly cold, uh, you know, especially at night. So the plants are sort of starting to lose, lose their leaves and become dormant. But the later you leave, yeah. that's going to be better. Uh, yeah. And, of course, once you do it, you're always going to prune it as well to try and reduce stress on the plant. Uh, yeah. So, look, if you were to wait till mid-July or even the start of August uh, and move oh, it then. Would you prune it... Um and then leave it a little while before you move it? or No, no, no. Prune, prune it um, straight away and then just dig it up. Uh, make sure you can take as much yeah. soil with you as possible. But as you know, with roses, you can transport them bare-rooted, so it's not really an issue when they're dormant. And yeah. uh, just replant it, start watering it again, uh, and, and it'll shoot for you in a couple of weeks. Fantastic. Okay, then. Thanks very much for that. Okay, Bye. good on you, Mark. Good luck with it, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. We've got Diane now from Cessnock, and she's got a question about clavias. Yes, clavias, clivias. Um, yes, um, Scott, I'd like to know, you know when they get those uh, red, um, like, um, after they flower and they form a seed pod? Yes. Can you plant them or do you throw them away? No, you can plant those if you want to. Uh, it might be helpful to, uh, once you, you pick it, uh, to you can either let it uh, sort of mature on the plant or you can uh, cut them off uh, after a little while and put them into a paper bag and then that uh, seed pod should split open and you'll get all the little seeds that are in there to plant and that's a way of containing it but not letting it, uh, uh, you know, you wouldn't put it in a plastic bag because it might get too sweaty in there. So that's why you always put uh, seeds into a, into a paper bag. So you can take them off once they're ripen like they're red? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's when you pop them into a paper bag. Oh, right, I'll do that. Okay. I just wondered what to do with them. Yeah, look, you can certainly do that. Uh, you know, clivias you can also uh, separate as well uh, and, and propagate them that way. But if there is some seed, then you can give it a try. Now, the thing with seed, as you know, that uh, you might get some variation. So the plant could be slightly different. Um, it's only through uh, splitting and propagating that way that you get a perfect uh, replica of the plant going yeah, on. Yeah, I'd, I'd just like to know someone that's got a cream one. <laughs> Try and get some seed from that, yes. Yes. Yeah. Look, they are, they are becoming more reasonably priced. I know, you know, some time ago they were very expensive, but they're more reasonably priced now. So, uh, you know, duck out to your local garden centre and see if they've got them. Yeah, I'll have a look. Thank okay. you. Okay, thanks for that, Diane. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Scott, I think we've got time for one more call. The old squeeze one more in. Squeeze one in to Leslie from at Warners Bay. No, it's not. Oh, Leslie's left us. She wanted to talk about non-flowering cyclamen plant. Right. Okay. 
Uh, well, I guess with a, a cycle, they do need um, feeding um, and fertilizing just as, as normal yep. uh, to uh, make them flower. Even though they are a, a little corm or a bulb, uh, when they pop out of the ground, they still do need a bit of a feed. All right, I think we've got Leslie now. Okay. Hey, hey Leslie, how can we help you? Oh, hello, fellas. How are you going? Pretty well. Excellent. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I got a cyclamen plant given to me for my birthday last June, had masses of flowers on it, and then when they died off, they died off. But I was looking after this plant like you wouldn't believe, and and I've got no flowers on it at this time of the year. What have I done wrong? Oh, look, yeah, and this is the time of the year for the cyclamen to flower. Uh, look, what you probably should have been doing is fertilising earlier on. Um, so, you know, I'm talking about, you know, January, February. Did it lose all its leaves and die back or did it keep on growing for you all, all through that period? Yeah, second bit. Yes, it just it kept living. Ah. I kept talking to it. <laughs> But then it said, well, I'm not going to give you any flowers yeah, so this I look, time. I would have started fertilising then in, in that January period to, to give it a bit of a boost. Uh, you, look, you probably get a bulb fertiliser. Uh, and that's okay. a, And you could even use some now if you wanted to just to see what happens. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, it sounds... I might just get some for myself as well. Okay, good on you, Leslie. Thanks very much for that. Okay, darling. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good week. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks, Leslie. That's Scott Sharp. We're out of time for another Gardening Talkback. It goes so quickly. I'll catch you next time. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.